Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Amy is a 57-year-old female with a strong family history for premature heart disease. She does not smoke, she does not have hypertension, and exercises daily. Her previous provider prescribed her atorvastatin 10 milligrams a day for the primary prevention of heart disease. While she uh, laments that she has no side effects from her atorvastatin, she misses being able to drink grapefruit juice. When questioned on this, she states her previous doctor told her that grapefruit juice and atorvastatin do not get along well and she should avoid it or else she would would sustain an unfortunate reaction. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today are my co-podcasters, Dr. Susan Feeney, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Advanced Practice Programs at the Tan Ching Feng Graduate School of Nursing at the UMass Chan Medical School, and Jillian Joseph, Instructor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the UMass Chan Medical School, and Adjunct Faculty in the Department of PA Studies at the MCPHS University, both in Worcester, Massachusetts. Jillian is also the course chair for Track 1 of PrimeMed's Primary Care Bootcamp for NPs and PAs, an on-demand curriculum that helps early career clinicians build confidence, hone skills, and succeed. Hello. Hi, Frank. Hi, Hi Jillian. Frank. Hi. Hi, Susan. So, Frank, um, poor Amy. She's really disappointed. She can't have grapefruit. I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm with her. So what's the deal with taking a statin and grapefruit? We've known that was always a no-no, especially with the Torvastatin. Yeah, so, so um, she said this to me, and I'm like, no, no, that's been debunked. And, and so what we know is that grapefruit juice um, can inhibit, to a certain degree, cytochrome P450, and that can alter the metabolism of certain foods. Um, and then if those foods or meds um, are increased, there's the potential for an adverse event. Um, Great data shows that statins, two in particular, simvastatin and atorvastatin, um, are prone to increase serum levels when they're combined with people taking grapefruit juice. Interestingly enough, pravastatin and uh, rosuvastatin do not have this characteristic uh, change in serum concentrations when taken with anything that inhibits cytochrome P450. So when Amy had this question, I did a lit search. And I found a paper that looked at um, combining either simvastatin or torvastatin with grapefruit juice had two significant impacts. It increased serum levels of the drug, which led to a slightly lower LDL level, but there was no complication like elevated CPK levels or any risk at all for rhabdomyolysis. And the authors concluded grapefruit juice should not be contraindicated in people taking a statin. But being me, I looked for a case control study to see if I could find any data about rhabdomyolysis. And I found a study that found 29 cases of rhabdomyolysis in over 300,000 patients who were taking simvastatin. The risk of developing rhabdomyolysis on that drug is 0.0009%, which is less 
than you dying driving home today from our show. <laughs> you won't, though. Another study found, they, they took people on a torvastatin and they randomized them to two groups. One group kept their dose normal of a torvastatin, the other group cut their dose in half. And then they asked them to drink 300 milliliters of grapefruit juice every day for 90 days. Okay? Wow. 10 ounces of grapefruit juice a day for 90 days. And they looked at what happened. So for group A, the serum level of atorvastatin went up a little bit, but there was no other complicating LFT change or CPK change. And group B, the people who cut their dose in half had a decreased serum level of atorvastatin, but also no adverse events. So these were people drinking 10 ounces of grapefruit juice a day for 90 days and had no problem. So it's sort of a myth. It's, it, it's a potential adverse event but it's extremely unlikely, if at all. Great news for Amy. So grapefruit consumption is safe with statins. What about other food or drug interactions like greens and warfarin? Yeah, so um, many of you know I work with a dietitian, and she's always talked about how people who are on warfarin should avoid certain green leafy vegetables because of vitamin K. So vitamin K-rich foods can alter the influence of warfarin on your, on your ability to be anticoagulated. Um, so I looked again at some literature and I found a systematic review that looked at how much vitamin K rich foods would alter your PTINR. And it turned out to be you'd have to consume 150 micrograms a day to have it have a significant impact on your PTINR. So what's 150 micrograms of food? Well, of spinach, it's about a cup. For kale, it's about a cup and a half. And I just want to go on the record that no one should eat a cup and a half of kale ever because you'd still be chewing it. Broccoli, it's three quarters of a cup. Cashews, you have to eat an entire cup of cashews to have an influence on your bleeding time. The only greens that really were significant were collards and turnip greens that a half a cup contained 400 micrograms of vitamin K. So it looks like there is no evidence that supports avoiding these foods if you're on a drug like warfarin. And now with the advent of DOAX, fewer and fewer patients, we hope, will be on warfarin. Uh, the authors did conclude that if you're going to eat green leafy vegetables, try to have a consistent amount every day so that there aren't huge variations in your consumption. So Frank, you're, you're on a uh, roll here debunking stuff. So let's talk about biotin. Biotin is heavily marketed to women, um, especially strengthening our hair and our nails. So what do you, what do you got on that? What do you got on biotin? Um, literally just Wednesday, a patient came in and said, oh, I'm losing my hair and I took, I, can, should I buy this very, very expensive product available online and it, it's mostly just uh, biotin. So people lose hair for a variety of reasons. Some of it's inherited, um, but a sudden hair loss is, is typically related to some insult or exposure. We call that a telogen effluvum. And it's a transient condition where your hair prematurely goes into the telogen phase of growth and hair will fall out. Things that cause a telogen effluvum are a trauma or a surgery, an infection, a hormonal change like pregnancy or malignancy or menopause, iron deficiency and chronic stress. All these things can cause hair loss. 
And in women in particular, they're more prone to it. They have pregnancies, they have deliveries, they have menopausal events, they have hormonal changes, especially if we're manipulating them for contraception. So um, what's a telogen effluvum associated with? Those horizontal lines in your nails, the so-called Bose lines, it's another condition where you have a stressor, it alters the growth of hair-like products, of epidermal-related products, and it makes them grow funny. So what's the deal with biotin? Um, I looked high and low through the medical literature, and there's never been any data, zero, that biotin influences the growth of hair. Even for medically arranged reasons, like let's say you're going to have a planned hernia repair or a gastric bypass, there's some data on an injectable form of biotin mixed with other agents that may statistically improve hair loss on the microscopic level. But there is no data that shows taking oral biotin or even these injections has any clinically significant benefit. So if your patients have a sudden hair loss, make sure they don't have a fungal infection or anything else. Look closely at their scalp. Tell them to be patient if you think it's a telogen effluvum. It will improve in six months. Um, but to have them not waste money on biotin. So save your money on the biotin, not likely to be effective. But grapefruit juice and statins and warfarin and most greens eaten in moderation are okay. So what other fun myth-busting facts do you have for us today? So um, I love to swim as a kid. I swam on a swim team. My mother was the incredibly doting Italian mother, and she had the strict rule that after you ate, you weren't allowed to swim for half an hour. Did anyone else have that rule growing up? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's never been any literature <laughs> that's got anything to do with eating and drowning and time frame. The only consumption that might be associated with drowning is alcohol. <laughs> thank you, guys. This thank was fun. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Practice pointer. Concerns about grapefruit and grapefruit consumption causing rhabdomyolysis when combined with drugs like simvastatin and atorvastatin are unfounded. Encourage your patients to eat these foods in moderation while on those medications. Join us next time when we talk about the use of psilocybin and its effects on the management of depression. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.